Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. This is Gabe, and welcome to another edition of the Rhythms for Life podcast. Rebecca and I are excited this week, spending time with family for Thanksgiving. We just love it, and I know so many of you are too. Maybe you're traveling right now. Maybe you're listening to this in your car. Maybe you're on an airplane. We hope it encourages you. We're talking with Ann Voskamp today. So many of you would know Ann. She's the New York Times bestselling author of so many books. The first, 1,000 Gifts, was one that impacted so many people as she started to detail how to be grateful. And she's going to do that in our conversation. She's going to talk about the way she still does that every day. It's not just something she wrote about. It's a practice. It's a rhythm. Rebecca writes about this rhythm in Rhythms of Renewal. But also, as you're heading into this week, it's one of those weeks where we hope you're going to be able to take time to reflect. Take time to reflect on all the things you're grateful for. I know Rebecca and I are so grateful for you guys. I mean, this community of people who have risen up who've said, we're going to take control of our mental health. We're going to be people who are active on it. We're going to start practicing these rhythms. We're going to help one another learn these rhythms. And so I hope even as you go through these next few weeks, look back at some of these previous episodes of all the different conversations we have and look for the one that just stands out to you that maybe you need in this moment to encourage you. And when you see it, go listen to it. Let it be an encouragement to you. But for now, let's jump in and listen to the conversation with Ann Boskin. And welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, and we just love hanging out with you. We we would prefer you to be in the room with us, and we <laughs> love that agree. too. But this is this isn't bad. I almost hear a little echo around you. Where where are you at? I am actually. We don't have. Any, we had a really bad um, storm last night, so we have no electricity on the farm. So I had to come into our little stone church in town to get a Wi-Fi connection. So I'm sitting here under old beams, 125-year-old beams in a big cathedral ceiling church, and it's it's wow. just me talking to you. So this is <laughs> It feels appropriate that Ann Voskamp is is live from uh, an old church. Well well actually I, I was I was up in the bell tower writing away. So maybe it's that's more appropriate that's in the bell tower. <laughs> well we're gonna get into the story of this location that you're sitting in in, in a minute. But you know I think our listeners have all just come to love you so much because of your incredible work on reminding us of probably the most essential part of establishing great mental health, and that is gratitude. Mm, gratitude. Um, take us back to that moment when God just gave you that idea to write the book that became your first New York Times bestseller, A Thousand Gifts. Talk about gratitude to you in a time when people weren't talking about it much. No, and I didn't. I didn't set out. <laughs> to start writing out a gratitude list. I, I was a friend of mine who dared me actually in November one year. She said, you know, can you write out, she actually dared me to write out a hundred things that I loved. So, I mean, mm. I, I took up the dare and grabbed a piece of paper and started to write out a hundred things that I loved just during the day. And I, I stopped and realized, no, no, no. What I'm actually doing here is I am counting all the ways God loves me. Mm. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm entering into 
all of these gifts that I hadn't seen, the things that I loved and was waking up to all around me. It was really the love of God all around me, grace and gifts. And it's, it's moving a, a cerebral idea that God loves me down into your bones and your heart and your veins and waking up to, I am loved moment by moment. So I started to write out a thousand gifts, a thousand ways God loved me. And it, I mean, honestly, nothing changed, has changed my life more. I really, I'd struggled a lot with cutting as a teenager. By the time I was 19, 20, I was diagnosed with agoraphobia. I was having panic attacks at university, just really struggling with my mental health. And um, so even as a young mom with lots of little kids, I was constantly fighting the dark. And ultimately what you have to decide is doxology or dark. I mean, you you get to choose what you're going to focus on. And that act of um, just picking up a pen and starting to write down the things that I was grateful for, you can't simultaneously feel fear and gratitude at the same time. So this really was my journey out of the dark to shift my perspective because often we, we don't need to change our lives, the circumstance of our life to change our life. We need to change our perspective of the life we already have. Right. And that's what I began to do. And I think lots of times, I mean, Rebecca, you know this, we think we're grateful people, but it, they're broad strokes. <laughs> it's, do I have a habit, a daily rhythm of giving thanks that I'm looking around at the gifts and paying attention to the small details of my own life? Not just the big things, but when I start to see that, look at all of the gifts and grace in the little moments. I see God is in these moments. And actually, title of 1,000 Gifts wasn't supposed to be 1,000 Gifts. I thought that sounded like a craft book, actually. (laughs) Um, The title of it was supposed to be God in the Moment, because when you start to give thanks for what you see moment by moment, you begin to see it's not about the gifts. It's about the giver. God himself is here in the moment with you. Yeah, that's good. So this year and everybody's life has changed. I think most people, there's a solidarity people are feeling of that there has been loss and there's a sense of grief about that loss. And for some people that has sent them mentally to their worst places as they've had to get get new perspective. And I'm curious for you, have you seen this year for, for your life? As you mm. were used to probably <laughs> traveling more, you had you, you yep. consistently are traveling overseas and doing so yep. much good work on the justice front. But but how how has this year impacted you at the mental, emotional, spiritual level? Oh goodness, Gabe. Yeah, um, my last flight home was March from Color in Australia, and if you had told me at that point there was no more getting on any planes, I mean our border is closed right now. I can't. I can't even come and see you in person. Oh, yeah, I would have probably, to be honest with you, Gabe, we've had some hard years. This has probably been the hardest year of our life for so many complicated reasons. And I, I refer to it oftentimes like we all have our unspoken broken. We're all battling things that nobody knows about. And the intentionality of if you let something The joy of the Lord is our strength. If we let something steal our joy, we let something steal our strength. Joy is a function of gratitude. Gratitude is a function of perspective. So if I can change my perspective to see the things that there's, there's always, always, always something to be grateful for. If I can change my perspective to see what there's to be grateful for, I become strong again in my, my, the joy of the Lord. And interestingly, um, the end of February, 
I was um, at a river, speaking at a retreat actually with Scott Sauls, and uh, a woman came up to me and said that she had she was in a difficult place in her own family life, and um, she had taken to writing out a thousand things that she was grateful for, counting the gifts. And in the midst of all of that, she found herself unexpectedly expecting with a surprise pregnancy that she hadn't planned for at all. And when the baby was born, the baby ended up having massive seizures in her arms. And um, yeah, a lot of um, different abilities ended up being the result of that. And a a lot of trauma for her family. And she said, you know, the enemy, evil himself, just kept hissing, you know, like, is God really good now? Could you really keep giving? And she wanted to name the baby when the baby was born. She wanted to name the baby Eucharisteo, which she thought maybe was too much. So she ended up naming the baby Grace. And her, when she was going to her therapist, her therapist said to her, you know, the only way you are surviving this trauma is because over the last several months, as you've written down, all of the things that you're grateful for, keeping a, a, a gift list, a gratitude list, you are exercising a gratitude muscle so that when you hit crisis, you have a gratitude muscle that can already work. And I think this year for all of us, I mean, Gabe, you know, we, we have, we've all been facing our own kinds of crises. And the way to work ourselves through the crises is, do I have just like a, a memory muscle? Like we, we have when we work out all of the time that we, our body remembers how to move that motion again. I think in this kind of crisis, do we have a habit, a rhythm of picking up a pen and giving thanks? That is like wielding a sword to fight for joy in the midst of the dark. I love this, Anne. A couple phrases I'm going to call out. You said you get to choose. This is a year where most people feel like they have no control, no no agency, no choice. Um, Kind of lockdowns uh, are against, you know, whether or not we want those or masks, whether we want those or sickness, you know, a lot of things. I think people feel like powerless. And um, I know that's kind of the root of my anxiety or panic disorder was always this feeling of being trapped and powerless ultimately. And yet God says that's not true. You actually get to choose doxology over dark. And I'm laughing that you're using that. You're so good with alliteration. Can I just say that? Um, it, it's actually a handicap. Yeah, no, no, I know. Free fall to fly, rhythms of renewal. I'm with you, girl. <laughs> Did you ever read that book, Susie's Galoshes Make Splishes and Splashes, when you were little? Because that was like my favorite alliteration book of all time. I don't no, know what I you're talking about. <laughs> well, Gabe's like, he's laughing at us, nerding out. But I remember this year several times out on walks, and I know you did a lot of running, and we're going to get we're getting into that next. But I would literally start singing, praise God from whom all. Yes. Like, literally, it would just come out. It was like, it was like my heart needed it. You know, when, when Scripture talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, mm-hmm. that extemporaneous worship that just erupts because your soul is dying for it. Your soul is like, you were made to adore. You were made to worship God. You were made to give praise to Him. Yeah. One of the greatest ways to fight anxiety is adoration. We Mm -hmm. are made for adoration. And what we focus on is what we become like. So if we focus on the good, we see more of the good everywhere to focus on. So that when that thanks to God becomes our habit, joy in God actually gets to become our life. I believe that. And actually this year, I had to fight so hard for joy. I actually, <laughs> I actually went back and got out my um, 
a new 1,000 Gifts devotional journal. It has, I mean, it's a book that has 60 devotionals that both come from my website and from 1,000 Gifts. But at the back, it has a journal that numbers 1 to 1,000. And I sit out every morning and write out what I am grateful for. Because I think it's that intentionality, that rhythm that you talk about all of the time, Rebecca. I, I think the rhythms actually become like breaker walls to hold back a tsunami of overwhelm, and you need those rhythms to keep your focus. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk a little bit about your rhythms. I've, I've seen you on Instagram. Yeah. We've been able to go on your journey. <laughs> she's got lambs, Gabe. Yeah. You she's have got so, lambs. I know. There's she's, so many. She's taken our chickens and, and doubled down with lambs. Yeah. It's... I don't know. There, my husband kind of wishes that he held the line on these things. I, I bet. Well, they'll tell me, tell me a little um, bit about a typical mm-hmm. day for the Voss Camps right now and, and what that looks like from morning to sunset. Your ideal day. I know every day doesn't look like this, but if you're trying to practice your healthiest rhythms. Yeah. What would that day look like? Okay. So a rhythm that has always been get up in the morning and I have, um, my husband, Daryl, he goes out to his desk and I have a place in our bedroom. So we both have time with the Lord that involves, um, opening up scripture, reading scripture, journaling for me. Daryl's journaling is different than my journaling, but for me, it's usually a page. I have a specific rhythm that I work through every a day in my journal, and usually that, and then I have, um, I've also been reading, um, praying for your children, so I actually print out small pictures of each of the kids, and have it tucked in that prayer book, so that when I pray for each of the kids, holding that child's Mm. picture in my hand, so I have that rhythm every morning, and then I usually have, yeah, that has been, it's almost like actually holding the child as you pray over them every morning. Just the sensory of seeing and speaking. Yes, seeing their face, and when I'm reading, it's Jody Burns' book, Praying for Your Children, Adult Children, actually, um, and you're praying scripture over each of the children, so that's part of my rhythm every morning. Um, I read from a devotional every morning, and then I usually spend at least 20 to 30 minutes reading something else. Uh, I've been working my way through C.S. Lewis's library and Francis Collins, so usually I have that time in the morning, and then usually um, shortly before um, it's 6.30 or so, we gather as a family in Daryl's office, space the end of the kitchen, Daryl's office, and we pray out loud together in a circle. And I will say that has only been since COVID. Um, and that has been, uh, if I could go back and get a do-over on my parenting years, I would go back and do that. There are things that your children will pray in a tender space before the Lord that they wouldn't maybe go ahead and have a conversation with you about. The intimacy and the vulnerability that has happened in that prayer circle every morning, I would say 90% of the time there are tears in that prayer circle. Um, We carry each other's burdens in a very different way when we pray together first thing in the morning. It's always been our rhythm after every single meal to read scripture at the table and to pray. So it's not like we never prayed together as a family. We did. But when you're sitting at the table and it's the end of the meal, you read scripture, we pray together, there's a sense that we need to move on to get to the rest of the day or the next thing. But when you start in prayer, we've done no work, nothing has happened till we all go before the Lord in prayer. That has become such a a lingering time. No one is rushing. People truly pour their hearts out. That has... uh, 2020 has given us anything. It's given us that prayer time that has allowed us a much greater vision of who God is. And to like, I think Oswald Chambers says, prayer doesn't prepare us for the great work. Prayer is the great work. Right. And 
and that has been um, formational for mm -hmm. us as a family. So, uh, and then they head out to the barn. Shiloh gets up and we begin. Uh, she has her meds and breakfast. And then I, I head out to animals, <laughs> um, my <laughs> sheep and my chickens and collecting eggs. And just time with Shiloh is really, really tender. And for us to have that rhythm together, I think, um, I think for me as it's one, it's, it's a way, and I've only had the sheep since COVID. It's been um, in a world where there feels like um, you're desperate to nurture and to take care. It's been a gift for me to have the sheep to take care of. And to re remember, it's this constant visual for me, that Jesus, how Jesus is a good shepherd. I have learned so much from those sheep. Oh, I <laughs> so, bet. Um, yeah, that has been a, just a really tender time to remind me every day. The day is going to get wild and crazy. How am I going to abide in Christ? to stay in Christ. Friends, I want to share a cause with you that's close to my heart. Through the years, you may have heard me talk about my trips to Rwanda when the kids were young, and most recently, a trip with my daughter, Kennedy. There's amazing work that we have partnered with over there at Africa New Life. This holiday season, it can be easy to take small things for granted, even things that are just fundamental, like food. In the African nation of Rwanda, though, that's never the case for most families. Though the country has made incredible strides towards healing, reconciliation, and development since the horrible 1994 genocide, there are still too many parents wondering if they'll be able to feed their children anything from one day to the next. But Africa New Life Ministries is helping change all of that. Amina, a mother of seven, shares, it was hard for us to get food and my part-time jobs had stopped as well. But food from Africa New Life came as a witness to how God is providing for us because we had no food on that particular day. You can help provide meals for Amina's children and for students across Rwanda with a monthly gift to Africa New Life Food Program. Just $25 provides 30 meals. What a great way for your family to offer a gift of nutrition, stability, and hope. Visit africanewlife.org slash rflpodcast to be a part of this. And I think it'd be a great way for us to think of Christmas giving in this season. That's africanewlife.org slash rflpodcast. Let's talk about your running, though, because I don't—I mean, you are, like, astounding me with your running. Tell us, is that something you worked up to? What do you do while you run? How long do you run? How often? Yeah, well, I started running, I guess that was last summer, and that would be—it was Malachi who said—who was running, and he said, Mom, I'm going to buy you running shoes for your birthday, and you're going to come running for me, and— I mean, goodness, I was so out of shape. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, so I said, I, I don't think I can do that, Kai. But Kai got me running shoes, and I started, I think having someone to help you begin a rhythm is really important. And Malachi would help me get my shoes on, and you can do this, Mom, and a cheerleader. Um, and he was like a gazelle, and I would be left in the dust. But it was fine. <laughs> it was just somebody to get me out the door. And then it became a rhythm for me where I just, some days it was hard especially as it gets cold here in the winter and the snow. But if I get my shoes on and I get myself bundled up enough to head out, I would listen to um, the Dwell Bible app. Mm -hmm. So you're soaking in Scripture during that run. And then a time of just prayer and repentance and pouring things out. And it really, that run became a time of sanctuary for me. It also then started to sort of you know how it goes. One rhythm, actually, 
starts other rhythms where you then think, wow, I feel stronger for other things in my yeah, life too. Yeah, absolutely. So I started to make sure that I did all my writing on a treadmill, so a standing desk. And then that, I mean... You inspired me, Anne. Well, I'm seriously, like I was pretty sedentary. Like if I walked 3,000 steps a day, that was a lot for me. And now my daily goal is at minimum 25,000 and lots of days you're you're over 30,000. But it's just, but the strength... She said 30, Gabe. She said (laughs) 30,000. But if if you're walking while you're writing it, I mean, that's how you can... It's, well, it's not like- one one little caveat for the listener: if you have it set too high, you might throw up. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm, fall just, off. I'm just talking for a friend. Oh, God. <laughs> I learned I'll that the hard slow. way. <laughs> I, I had to work my way up, but um, but I think that what speed are you at? I mean, two point five yeah, or while you're yeah, writing. Yeah, 2.5 to 2.7. Yeah, I'm at like yeah, 1.8. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I did 1.8 for a long... It was only after I really got running that I could go ahead and handle it 2.5, 2.7. So it I took me it. a while to get there. But I think one... It's like, again, those habit muscles. Once you get a good habit on one thing, it rolls into another habit that you you start to feel... That that strength from I'm being grateful, I'm being that gives me the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, which lets me go ahead and run, and I'm saturating in scripture, which makes me feel stronger to try new habits of getting in more steps. And it just it's a far healthier mental framework that you're working with. Yeah, and the momentum that comes from that. And yes, and you're, exactly you're Rebecca. when you're when you kind of have that not competitive personality, but just this <laughs> I'm going to say this in the nicest way. Anne and I are both uh, would type four on the Enneagram, but she's more of a four than I am. (laughs) We just I never I never even heard what an Enneagram was. More of a four. Rebecca Rebecca Lyons turned to me and she said, "Do you know what a four is?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, I'm a four, but you are way over the top four. (laughs) But it's funny because um, Kennedy has drugged me into a spin class lately because, and every time I go, I'm like, I'm going to do an extra mile more than I did last week. You know, it's still same amount of time. I'm going to push myself harder. Something about it. It's true. Your muscles grow. You have more endurance. You have more desire. And then ultimately you have more achievement, which feels fulfilling because you're like, I am stronger. This this intimidated me a few months ago. So, Well, I I think what's really interesting, I think it's James Clear that talks about an atomic habit. So much at the time we want to create a new rhythm or create a new habit, but we really need to change our identity changes our habits. Mm. And we have to start to see ourselves as, so I actually wrote out, I am a runner. I am a writer. I am a prayer. The things I wanted to be. So it's not like I'm trying to create a habit. This is who I am. So these are the things that I do. Yes. So identity is everything. And as, as believers, we know that. <laughs> so I need to, to really think about, I'm not trying to add prayer to my life. I am a prayer. This is who I am. So prayers, what do they do? They pray. If I am a runner, then what do I do? I run. If I am a person who follows after Christ, I'm a person of doxology. Gratitude is my life. That is the posture. It's not just an add-on to my life. It is the constant posture of my life. So I think if you want to change your rhythms or your habits, look at like, what is my identity? Right. Which goes back to what you said initially is you get to choose. You get to actually take agency on what do I want my life to be about? What what do I feel like God's inviting me into? And then you cultivate a response out of a belief, quite frankly. Yeah, exactly. I guess. And, and yesterday we were listening to Tim Keller and he was saying, um, it was a talk he was giving somewhere. And he said, the way a person changes is to change what they worship. 
Mm. And I just thought, oh, that is so much about gratitude. Once we change our loves, once we see that God is loving us all around us, it changes our focus. That begins to change who we are and our identity is foundational to that. So I think, and I think lots of times, especially in a year like this, when there's so much loss and so much grief, people look and say, well, is, is giving thanks like this sort of this Pollyanna attitude where like you're sort of like blind to the reality? And I think it's, we have to remember that giving thanks really is, is making a, a canyon of pain into a megaphone to proclaim the ultimate goodness of God, that we, we don't give thanks to God just because of how we feel, but we give thanks to God because of who He is. And I, I think that is the framework we have to think of, especially in a year like 2020. This Thanksgiving week, as we give thanks and we consider all the things we're grateful for, I hope you and I can be on somebody else's list at the end of this year. And one way to guarantee that is to participate in this beautiful ministry that takes place through churches and families and homes all over America. It's called Operation Christmas Child. If you haven't heard of it, then you need to know about it. It's a simple way through providing a shoebox of gifts. You can send hope, you can send love, and you can send care to people all over the world. The Greatest Journey follow-up discipleship program teaches millions of children to put their faith in Christ and how to share their faith with others. And so entire communities are being transformed through this simple gift of a box. I want you to learn more about this by going to samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. You're able to pack a shoebox online today through December 31st, and even our kids have participated in this. Their youth group at church gathers items, gets the shoeboxes together, and everybody starts to participate. And you can not only put the gifts in the box, but you pray over that box. And then that box gets sent to somebody who's going to appreciate it and love it, and they're going to be grateful for you at the end of the year. So go learn more at samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. Well, the final rhythm we love to talk about, because you, you've described rest and restore and even connect with your family through prayer. That's beautiful. But this create side, which I know you love working with your hands. You're always creative. You're always building yeah. new things, even for like yeah. the Christmas season coming up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've, you've had these beautiful Advent pieces and, and yeah. you have so much you're doing yeah. even around Christmas. So explain a little bit about what that does for you when you use your hands and you make things or you go out and take care of the animals or you refinish a prayer bench yes, at your yes, new exactly. church building <laughs> like you do I, I, yes I, I just think i think that we are made in the image of our creator that being people who are creative that's that's not optional we are made to do this and i think i think i even struggle with the term that well some people are creatives and some people are not no we are we all image god so we are all creative so whether it's whether it's in your kitchen baking, whether it's out in your garage with wood, whatever we are doing, whether it's music or poetry, writing, it, it doesn't matter. We are all creative. And I, that is, that creative process is deeply life-giving because we are responding to our creator who gave us life. So I think everyone, their rhythms have to, have to have space for what am I doing that creates beauty in the world? We are, I mean, like Andy Crouch talks so much about, we are called to be culture creators. We are called to make culture. And that that's from being gardeners and artisans. That's working with, 
with our dirt underneath our fingernails, me out there feeding the sheep, or coming in and, and writing something, how are we going to go ahead and create culture that nourishes common flourishing in the world? And right now, we all desperately need to, to step in, up and be the light wherever we are. Yeah. So a random question. What's been the most fun, maybe most unexpected, most surprising thing you've done this year creatively with your hands that you really enjoyed? I extended the garden this year, which I immensely enjoyed. And taking care of the sheep every day has been, and not only taking care of the sheep, we now have our our um, our red lab is about to give birth to to a whole bunch of puppies. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so new so life everywhere. Just, yeah, love new it. life everywhere, and I just think in a year where there's been so much dark and so much discouragement, I think each of us have to be really intentional about where am I looking for life and being part of a life giving story. Yes, mm-hmm. amen. Preach, girl. Well, Preach. as we head into Thanksgiving this week, what's one tradition in the Voskamp family that you love practicing and other people may be inspired once they hear about it. Actually, um, I think what we've always done is we've always had small little colored corn cobs that I always put on everybody's plate around the, the table. And we go around and around and around, going ahead and taking off the little kernels of corn um, and putting it in a bowl and counting the things that we're grateful for. And then we go ahead and keep that little bowl with the the um, kernels of corn, just as a, a visual testimony for, for us to see throughout the year. Look at all of the ways God met us. And this year we added it. Um, Shiloh went out and she looked underneath one of the um, the oak trees and she brought in all of these acorns. And I put acorns on everyone's plate also. And as they went ahead and gave thanks for one thing that they were grateful for this year, we put the, the acorns in a bowl also. And just to remember that what, gratitude looks so small but it can grow into a great forest of thanks. And I just think that if we can be intentional about those small seeds of gratefulness, those roots can go down and they can break up rock and grow things that um, grow us in God in ways that um, ultimately a yielded life yields great things. That's so So beautiful. Go ahead and live a life of gratitude that's not an add-on to our life, but is actually the posture of that's our lives. Awesome. I love the tactile, too, of that. Yes, I think, I, and for the kids to see the tactile and for us to remember, because in that, I mean, what, what does Jesus say at the, at the Last Supper? Do this in remembrance of me. This giving thanks remembers us. And in a year that looks like we've been torn apart in a million ways, what more do we need than to give thanks and be remembered, put back together again? Well, that's a great place for us to conclude this conversation as we all head into Thanksgiving week. And just thank you, Anne, for the life you live. Thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you for helping guide us all closer to the heart of God with your practices. I'm just so grateful that we all get to do this together, you leading us in what are our rhythms, what are our habits, and that together we can have momentum and be inspired by each other. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation with Anne. It was fun even hearing that echo, wasn't it? Just in her church and the space that she was in talking with us today. But go visit thegreatestchristmas.com as you start to get into the Christmas spirit and you start to think about the ways and resources and all the fun ways that we can just remember Christ is the center of Christmas. I think that will encourage you. And even as you're heading into Thanksgiving, rebeccalyons.com slash friendsgiving, we have a guide there, a guide that has scripture in it, conversation guides that are great questions as you're sitting around the table, maybe with people you're just getting to know, 
to get to know one another and to have great connection. And so go to RebeccaLyons.com slash Friendsgiving for that. And we just hope you have a wonderful week, a week of rest and restoration. 